Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about the song Mary sang after she found out she was pregnant with Jesus. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to invite you to be a part of all of our Christmas celebrations. We have four separate events coming up this month. They're all different, and I think they're all pretty cool. And I hope that you'll be at each and every one of those things. You can learn all that you want to learn about those events, what they are, when they are, where they are, all of those things, by going to wilsonville.church events. I hope you'll check those things out and consider joining us. Again, thanks for taking some time to listen to this sermon. I really do hope it'll help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Good morning again. Not quite ready. <laughs> Quick changed it back there. <laughs> Hopefully this microphone will stay in place. Uh, well, that was exciting. If you just give me one minute, talk amongst yourselves or something. Just be a second. We always know that's going to be a little tricky, and I didn't want to preach with a wet arm the whole time. Uh, let's see if this will stay on. Brandon, is your guitar plugged in? I think you're backstage. Can I just pull this out? Oh, he's hooked up here. I, I was going to bring my own guitar. I left it somewhere else. But uh, when, I was, when I was a younger man, see if I can put this up here and not break anything. Uh, when, when I was a younger man, I, I learned to play a little bit on the guitar. I think I've showed you this um, uh, during a sermon before. Um, Brandon's nervous right now that I'm going to break everything. I can see it in his eyes. Uh, I didn't ask for permission to do this, but we've known each other a long time. Um, and, and uh, you know, I can, I can do like D. Can you give me that Get in the speakers there, Douglas? Come on. Help a man out. Oh, look at that. How good does that sound? I can play G. All right, I can play a real C, not even a fake C. Not bad, right? I don't know what this is called, but somebody. Nothing. It's like a nothing. E minor. Okay, yeah, these make sense. Uh, a, and then like, uh, oh, and, and I can do this. This is the one song I can play for you. Everybody want to sing? Because I can't sing at the same time. Come on. <laughs> okay, that's all. Uh, and and here's, here's why I learned to play the guitar. Uh, because uh, I was early 20s, and I was at that time in life when... Uh, when you're either heartbroken or in love, you know what I mean? Like those are your two, those are your two kind of states. Like I was either in love with the new girl or heartbroken over the old girl. And, and so like every self-respecting 20-year-old, I felt the need to learn to play those chords on the guitar to express myself. And, and I think it, it's because the reason that, that so many people at my college did that is because there's something about music and song that expresses emotion in a different way. There's been times when I've laid on, uh, just laid on the couch with my, I don't know, I probably could do a couple more chords than that, but uh, no rhythm. I can't play anything in rhythm. Uh, I can't play any song except for that one. Uh, and and I, I think that I mean, I know there's been times when I've just laid with the guitar across my chest and, and just, just prayed or thought or whatever because, because music expresses, uh, expresses emotion in, in a different way. It's just different. And, 
And Christmas brings this out, right? For better or worse, like there's a reason that a, a, a billion Christmas songs exist. I mean, we only listen to 10 of them on the radio over and over during the Christmas season, but, uh, but there's like a billion Christmas songs because there's something about the birth of Jesus that, that inspires emotion that, that needs needs song it needs song to express itself in fact it's so interesting and and, and in my rush I, I left my, these little notes I had back there but uh, but there's a bunch of the Christmas songs that actually express uh, or call us to sing like men their songs implore right like you know these these lines and and it talks about the angels singing and the shepherds singing and and we sing about people singing because we recognize that that I think what happens at christmas this thing that we celebrate at christmas it, it brings emotion and, and a need to celebrate in a way that goes beyond uh, mere words mere words it, we need song with it and and here's here's the thing though here's the thing I think we know that about Christmas if we're Christians like the birth of Jesus big deal but it seems like the month of December which we start today it it does something to us that makes us never want to sing at all because because there's so much stress and there's so much responsibility. I just think about all the things that I stress about, you know, like Christmas events and making sure that I get to all of them. And I mean, just our church Christmas events, there's four of them, they're awesome. I'll be stressed about making sure everyone goes good, so make sure you attend. Uh, but like, it's four extra things that I don't have in a normal month. And then you add that on, uh, just so many family events for Brent and I that it's hard to keep track of all the places that we're going. And I love every one of them. And, and the reason we do so many is because we won't not do any of them because that would ruin Christmas, you know? Like we have to be at everything that we always go to and have gone to since we were born. But, but it brings some level of, of stress and distraction and, and, and it's tiring. And I mean, you think about just money for presents, right? Like, I mean, just having the money for presents and then on top of that, like what people will think about your presents. I, I, I hate opening presents in front of people because I feel this need to act like I like it, even when I do like it, you know what I mean? Just because they like bought it and I know I'm watching people's reactions and if my kids, I mean, my kids do this, but they open a present and then they go to the next one, right? Until they're all done and then, and then you kind of gauge it and, and, and you don't want your present to be that present. You want, I, I know this from kids' birthdays, you want at kids' birthday parties for your present to be the present that stops them in their tracks, you know? And, and they go, well, why did anybody else buy me anything? Because I have this one. So I don't buy presents for people's kids. Um, and then you got just family dynamics and like you, you'll be with people that you're not with the rest of the year and that's intentional, right? And you don't want to be. And, and so there's, I think, this weird tension between this, this glorious event that even if you're not a Christian, right, and you just kind of know the story, you think, yeah, that, that seems like a cool story that, that if I believed it, it would be worth celebrating. There's this weird tension between that and then what December feels like, all of the tension and the stress and, and all of the things that we have to deal with. Uh, this poll done by one poll uh, found, and, and I found different numbers here, but this was the highest, so it emphasized my point the best. Never trust stats. 88% of people feel stressed when celebrating the holidays, and the average couple will have seven arguments throughout the season, according to new research. I feel like I raised that average <laughs> a little bit. Uh, 
Fest, there was an article. This is horrible. Festive stress is ruining America's holiday season. I, I found an article that was called that. Festive stress. That's a, that's a great line, but it's, a, it's like oxymoronic, right? Festive stress is ruining America's holiday season. And so there's this weird tension, but then there's also this other thing. I think the busyness of it, even if we're not stressed, even if we're not worried, even if we're not depressed, and depression goes up during the holiday season too, even, even if those things, we're able to escape them, we kind of in the midst of all the hustle and bustle forget about Jesus altogether. And, and, and we sing every song like we sing the Jesus songs, right? Like it might as well be Jingle Bells or a Holy Night. It's all the same because it's all on our radio and it's all just part of this thing that we call the holiday season. And, and so there's this, this weirdness at Christmas where we know that we should celebrate Jesus and it makes sense to do it through song, but all of the tension and all of the stuff and all of the things, they all just make us forget or not or whatever, not feel like it. And today, this, I love this, we, we begin a series about a song, a single song, not just any song, but a song uh, sung uh, by the mother of Jesus, Mary, while she was still pregnant. Um, uh, we'll look about at her situation more in a minute. We'll talk about it a lot, but, but, but it, I just want to point out just now, and then I'll come back to it, but she sings this song in the middle uh, of a very stressful season in her life, a very stressful situation that, that I think goes you know, beyond anything I've ever stressed about, but it goes way, way, way beyond the normal holiday stresses, having to see Uncle Bob or whatever. And in this song that we're going to look at, I, I think this is what we learned right from the beginning, and that's all we'll look at today is the very beginning, but right from the beginning, this is what we learned. Trepidation turns to celebration when God receives our adoration You'll have to forgive me for rhyming. It's the Christmas season. It seems appropriate. Tis the season. Trepidation turns to celebration when God receives our adoration. And that's what we're going to see in this woman Mary's, this girl Mary's song. But there's this question, right, that, that I think that, that we would follow up with. With so much going on, how can I possibly focus on adoring even if I sing it in my songs, how can I possibly focus on, on truly adoring Jesus, on truly worshiping God this Christmas season? And I think we're gonna learn right from the beginning how, how we do that. But, but first, I wanna read you our, our type for this series, the summary that's on our website and in the bulletin and all, all of those things, because I, I really think it's helpful, and, and I'll build on it, but it, it says this, Christmas is stressful for everyone, but consider Jesus' mother. Mary was a young girl who was engaged to be married. An angel told her she was pregnant despite her being a virgin. It was a miraculous conception, but nobody would believe that. While we worry about our in-laws coming over, she worried her fiance would leave her, family reject her, and society scorn her. I, I mean, picture it with me, right? Like, uh, here's a girl who, who may have been as young as 14 years old. I mean, I don't know if we picture her that way, but she may have been as young as 14 years old, which uh, I, I think being, I've never been one, but I think being a 14-year-old girl might be the hardest thing to do on earth. It, it just seems difficult based on the girls I knew anyway. <laughs> um, and, and then she's told, I mean, I mean, whether you believe this or not, just, I mean, just 
just picture the situation. Just pretend you do. Uh, she's 14. She's a virgin. And then an angel comes to her and says, you're pregnant. And that seems glorious to us because we celebrated at Christmas. But put yourself in her shoes. Like that, that's horrible information, I think. At least it's stressful information, if nothing else. I mean, she's engaged to be married to somebody. And she probably doesn't have some lovey-dovey romantic relationship with this person. It's probably an arranged marriage with a much older man named Joseph that she knows to be a good man, but not a man she knows very well, right? So she's engaged, and now she's pregnant. When we, when we read the words of her song, we can know that they were sung after she traveled some 70 miles in haste, the Bible tells us, to be with her family members, Zachariah and Elizabeth. I think that what's happening for Mary is, is she just doesn't know how to handle it. Do you have people like that in your life, like where you're just like, I don't know what to do, but I know I can turn to them. And, and this is what I think that is. She says, I, I, I'm just, I have no clue how to handle this. I don't know how to process this. And so she goes to her, her family member, Zachariah and Elizabeth, and she sings this song while there, but when she gets home, think about what she's going to deal with. Just think about it. She's going to have to tell her fiance Joseph that she's pregnant I mean think of the most stressful conversations you've ever had and I hope they're less stressful than that I mean maybe you've had uh, the identical conversation I don't know but 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 imagine that and then and here's what I mean this is I would be stressed about this too uh, you're going to tell them you're pregnant and then you're going to say I'm just going to follow that up with but I promise I'm still a virgin and, and what's inside of me was conceived by the power of God <laughs> like I mean that all sounds nice if, because we believe it for those of us to believe it but but it, but if you if you put yourself in her shoes that's a horrible thing to say I might you might as well say like uh, like, I, I own a unicorn, right? Saw a movie like that. Like, I, hey, I got a unicorn pet, and people are gonna look at you and be like, this, what? You're nuts. But God gave it to me. Like, I, what, you're still nuts, right? Like, that, that doesn't work. And this is what she's going to have to do, and then, and we don't think about this because she could just get lost in our society. I mean, lots of people pregnant before marriage in our world. Lots of uh, people have probably broken off marriages because they got pregnant by somebody else. Uh, but she, in her society, then, is going to be divorced by Joseph, probably publicly he's probably going to publicly shame her in order to maintain his reputation it wasn't me who slept with her and look how public I'm making this divorce so that everybody knows it wasn't me that's what righteous men did in that society and then after that I mean after she's divorced her family's going to disown her she's going to be publicly shamed for the rest of her life even if Joseph doesn't publicly shame her because everybody's going to know what happened or they're going to think they know what happened it is going to be hard for her to ever have the money to eat to raise this child she's left with hardly any options in order to earn a salary because there's there's no jobs for women and nobody's going to want to marry this adulterous woman who got pregnant while she was engaged to a righteous man a good man named joseph that's where she's at when she sings this song. And man, as I, as I thought about that, just on my own thinking about it this year, like I just, I was humbled by that because all of the things I stress about during Christmas, they really pale in comparison to what Mary was dealing with. They, they, they mean nothing. Whether, whether you're uh, 
you know, your decorations are perfect or your cake turns out or, you know, everything goes perfectly at family time or you, people like your gifts. None of those things compare. I get that you're stressed about them. I get that I'm stressed about them, but they don't compare. And in the midst of this, she sings this incredible song. What's so fascinating is there's a bunch of songs recorded by Luke who records this song for us. He's a great historian. He writes the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts and he records several instances of song and I think it's what I said already. There's, there's something about this incredible Christmas story that, that brings emotion and, and celebration that, that, needs, that needs to be sung, that needs music with us but what's el what else is interesting about this song before I read it to you is it is there's a song for all of us and in the next section we'll look at next week she uses the word servant and and that's a word for the Old Testament people and so in this song it's like we're invited in with her like all the things that are said are true specifically for her but in general for us as well which is is pretty awesome but here's the part, and this is what's going to blow you away. This is what's going to, uh, for me, it's just so difficult to fathom. Like, how did she get to this point? How did she do it? This is a song uh, of praise. It's a praise song. I mean, this is a celebratory song. It is meant to make us, who would read it years later, feel good about our, our situations, feel good about what God has done for us. I mean, in the midst of her stress, in the midst of all the struggle, in the midst of all the questions, in the midst of the unknown, what is going to happen to me? What is going to happen to this child? In the midst of all of that, Mary sings a song of joy, of celebration, of praise. Trepidation turns to celebration when God receives our adoration. Here's this other thing. It's filled with scripture. It has close parallels with Hannah's song. Hannah was a woman in the Old Testament who couldn't get pregnant, said, God, if you make me pregnant, then I'll devote my child to you forever. And then, and then she, sing, she just sings this song. She prays this prayer. It's, and Mary draws upon that. You can read it in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. But there's ec echoes of Moses and Miriam and Deborah and Asaph and Judith. Uh, one author said it's a virtual collage of biblical texts. Joel B. Green, who wrote a commentary on the book of Luke, said these echoes are significant for the way they so clearly extend the activity of God celebrated by Mary far back into the past, making transparent the Lucan notion that what he is narrating is continuous with that story. In fact, people have tried to discredit this, this as being from Mary, uh, and that happens with the Bible. People say, well, it says it's from Mary, but, but we don't think it is. And, and the reason that they don't think so is because, because of something that I think is so beautiful. It's so theologically profound. It places such an incredible understanding on her situation, and it draws from so much scripture that people are like, no 14-year-old girl could have written this. But I would turn that around and say, maybe she became the mother of Jesus because she could write this and and even more maybe maybe her love for scripture the way she had saturated herself with scripture the way she understood the word of God is part of what allowed for her to worship to celebrate in the midst of the most stressful difficult situation that she would ever that she would encounter for a long time I love this part too, and, and, and this just before we even look at it, the song paints two pictures of God, the mighty one and the merciful one. 
I, I think that we begin to adore God in such a way that allows us to celebrate the Christmas season when we see God and for both of those things, that he is the mighty one and the merciful one. I would suspect that all of us have come here today falling too far on one of those sides. We see God as mighty and uh, unconnected to us and unloving and far away and distant. And we see him as a creator that kind of created and doesn't really care about us. Or we see him as just a God who, who isn't powerful and uh, can't get the job done and isn't going to do the job and, and, and doesn't oversee and watch over us and rule and reign from heaven who doesn't need to be feared or respected I, I think that we need to see both of those things if we're going to adore God in the way that Mary did I mean in the middle of this song Mary understood uh, that God was the mighty one and the merciful one and then she sees and I love this that she's drawn into the story of God and it's so cool because we have been drawn into the story of God Daryl Bach who wrote another commentary on the book of Luke says Mary and Elizabeth picture the believers amazement and sharing the blessings of God we did not have the honor of giving birth to the savior of the world but we do have the blessing of becoming one of his children mary recognizes that she has become part of the plan of god and if you're a christian then you should recognize that in the coming of jesus this thing we celebrate at christmas you too have been invited into the family of god into the story of god i would say this we will adore god this christmas season if we remember that the christmas story is in some ways about us and our being invited into the family of God and the story of God. It's a song of celebration. It's a song that recognizes scripture. It's a song that, that remembers the, the, how important Jesus is to bring us into the story and family of God. It's all of these things. And, and as we turn to it, I hope you'll see, because I'm not gonna read it all, that, that it's all of these things. But without further ado, here's, here's how it begins. This is, this is amazing. This is amazing, and I want you to be amazed with me. This is what happens, ready? And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. I mean, in the middle of all that, I, I don't know for me. I mean, my soul glorifies the Lord is probably uh, not how it's gonna start. Like, oh crap, maybe? Like, God, what are you doing to me? I, why me? Have you ever prayed that? Why me? Uh, I mean, can't you? pick somebody else can't let somebody else go through this I mean this is why me is more along the lines of me but Mary says my soul glorifies the Lord Psalm 69 30 says I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving and this is exactly what Mary is going to do here soul is just a a fancy way in the context here of, of saying I, I, it's a big way of saying it, but it was like all of me, every part of me, I, I glorify the Lord. Now, the word glorify is, is translated from the Greek word megaluno, uh, which is, means to make great or magnify, and I only tell you that because this is where we get the name for this song through history, uh, the Magnificat, uh, and it comes from that word, Magaluno, being translated into Latin. This is just for your, just for your interest's sake. Uh, uh, translated into the Latin Vulgate, the most famous of Latin scriptures, and, and the Magnificat becomes the name 
for this song. But that word to make great or magnify is, is awesome. I, I mean, for her, her first response to her situation is to say, what can I do, what can I do to magnify, to make great my God? Now, when we think of magnification, uh, there's two ways. I'm stealing this illustration from, from somebody else's sermon. But uh, there's two ways to view this. We, we can view magnifying like a microscope, right? Like, like you take something really small and, and then you, you make it look bigger. But that would be wrong when it comes uh, to God. The better, way, the better way to understand it is like a telescope. When Mary says she magnifies the Lord, she's talking like a telescope. She, she and her soul, the thing that she wants to do, the thing that she begins this song with, even in the midst of all that stress, she wants to, to show the world how great God is. Uh, none of us will fully realize how great God is until he returns, till we go to heaven. But we, we believe it, we believe it, and, and as Christians, if we're truly going to celebrate in the midst of stress, if we're really going to celebrate the birth of Jesus this Christmas, then the number one goal for us, the number one thing we have to have in our souls that we want to accomplish this Christmas season is magnifying God, showing the world how great God is. I, I love what Joel Green says, I quoted him earlier, the, defi- the decisive event, the advent of God's kingdom grounded in the miraculous conception of Jesus has already occurred. And Mary is recognizing this and out of it saying, Here, here's what I wanna do. In response to all of this, I want to recognize the greatness of God and I want to show the greatness of God. That's how she begins her song. I, man, I, here's the deal. Ready? This is, that's nice. You liked that, I'm sure. But, but here's where it gets a little harder. We have a lot of goals this Christmas. Almost all of us, right? A million things that we want to do, that we need to do, that have to be done. All of those things. I mean, getting your Christmas lights up, we're kind of in the middle of that. You know, I, I want to get that done and I got to get my shopping done and I, I, I want, my wife's going to make food. I don't, she doesn't let me do that, but uh, there's certain people we need to see in all the parties I mentioned earlier. I mean, there's, there's like a million things that are goals, right? I want this, and I want this, and I want this to get done, and none of it is going to allow us to truly, to truly celebrate the Christmas season if our number one goal, our number one priority is not showing God's greatness declaring God's greatness and recognizing God's greatness. If you'll look at the Christmas story this year and you'll say, okay, I see that. Here's what I believe. Here's what we believe as Christians. We believe that that the Christmas story is the beginning uh, of the gospel story. And that story is that God was in heaven. He saw that we were sinners. That's just a, a Christian word for we did things that were disobedient to God, things that you know you've done that you shouldn't have done. And God looked down from heaven and said, I, I, I have to do something about this sin. I mean, they're eternally damned. They cannot have a relationship with me. And so I will come down there in the person of Jesus. And so he's born at Christmas and he lives sinlessly. And at the end of that sinless life, the perfect life, he dies the worst death ever because he pays in that death the punishment for all of our sins. And after that death, he comes back to life conquering 
hell for all of us and opening the opportunity for each of us to place our belief in him, to give our lives to him and, and, and have eternal life, to live forever in his kingdom. And then and, and sitting in the middle of that is this Christmas story, right? Like he came here. It's incredible that God would come to earth for me. And it only makes sense that my number one goal would to be to make a big deal out of my God because he, he made a big deal out of me. He made a big deal out of me. But if you just shove that at the end somewhere and say, well, I hope to magnify God this year as long as it doesn't get in the way of the choir performances and the Christmas parties and everything else, then you'll struggle to celebrate because you'll just be stressed. Trepidation turns to celebration when God receives our adoration and part of adoration is simply saying, I will make a big deal of God. I will make a big deal about God this Christmas season. There's only one more verse that I'm going to read for us today, and, and it's Luke 147, the next verse. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Spirit, similar to soul here, it's a profound way of expressing I. But what you need to recognize is there's repetition here, and the repetition is centered on the praiseworthiness of God. We should praise God this December and always. Psalm 35, 9, then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. Psalm 95, 1, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Habakkuk 3, 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Do you see the connection? We celebrate because we recognize that God is our Savior. And at Christmas, we think about the birth of Jesus, but what we must remember if we're truly going to celebrate is that that is the birth of our Savior. In fact, the coming of Jesus, this is so cool, was in some ways the fulfillment of all the saving that the Old Testament people, like the guys I just read, were looking at, were pointing to in the Old Testament. It's the, it's the salvation they were looking for. In the Old Testament, Savior is used 35 times in connection to God. And what Mary recognizes here is that every time people looked for the salvation of God, they were truly looking for her son. That's what they were looking for. She doesn't just want to make a big deal about Jesus coming, about God because Jesus was coming. She also wants to rejoice in it. She wants to celebrate in it. She's excited about it because she recognizes what a big deal it is for all of mankind and for all of history. Listen in, in Luke 2.11. This is the angels to the shepherds today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Luke 2.30, a guy named Simeon who's been waiting for the Savior to come. He sees Jesus and he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Uh, Mary's song stands here and it, 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 is, it is this moment when all, all the world's hope and longing for a Savior has come. I mean, Jesus hasn't done everything he needs to do. He has to live, he has to die, he has to rise again. But when he shows up, salvation has arrived. And Mary celebrates that. And then, and this is so cool, Luke, Luke puts this song here in his gospel because Luke's gonna talk about that through two whole books of the Bible. It's a foretaste of the salvific, salvific themes that will run through Luke and Acts. And this salvation in Mary's word here should cause us to rejoice. 
I think we're muted. I tell this story every single Christmas, and I'm going to tell it every year after this. I'm going to. I'm just going to keep telling this story. But my first ministry gig, uh, I was I was a kindergarten Sunday school teacher. And, and I must have been super good at it because in our church of a thousand people, I showed up one Sunday and there was one kid. Uh, and, and so I, I wasn't going to hang out with this one kid. Uh, and so we went and we joined this other lady's class. I think we went up a grade or whatever. And, uh, and she, ha- she was just the opposite of me. I was just running around playing with the kids and telling them Jesus loved them every now and then. But she had like tape and rows. And some of you, if you've been around for a couple years here, you know the story. But she had tape and rows like like this. And, and they were there. Good teaching. We might do it here. I hope we don't because of the story I'm about to tell you. But, but it was for the kids to sit on, right? And so they would stay in their place. And she's telling the story of, of Jesus' birth. And, and she's going... Uh, through the she has a nativity and she's picking up the different pieces of the nativity as she tells the story of Jesus birth and and she gets to Jesus and she asks the question something along the lines and do you know who was born right and every kid in Sunday school ever has known the answer to that question or any question is Jesus and this kid hops up off the tape and he runs towards the nativity to grab Jesus because he's so excited about Jesus and she says this line I don't know who this woman was and I hope she doesn't listen to my sermons because I bag on her every year she says bottoms on the tape and man it just uh, killed me then and it kills me now because basically what we said to this kid is like there's a time to celebrate but it's not when you're thinking about the birth of Jesus and I think we're so muted because we've just grown up like, well, you know, we sing and dance somewhere, but it's not when we're at church. It's not where we're, when we're thinking about Jesus. It's not around the birth of Jesus. I mean, we sit on the tape. We sit in our seats. We sit in our hands. We just, we don't, I mean, we're not going to jump up and down about the whole thing. We'll talk about it, but we're not going to be, you know, too pumped up. That's for people at the other church or something. And I think it's totally wrong. I think that what allowed Mary to sing this song of praise is that she recognized that the coming of Jesus was the coming of salvation and she, she just needed to sing because she was excited and, and wanted to rejoice and was just, I mean, she's like, I'm gonna magnify God and I'm gonna jump up and down about this great thing that's happened. Now look, Being excited, rejoicing about salvation coming did not take away her having to go tell Joseph that she was pregnant by the power of God. And and, and she didn't know if it would take away the ridicule that would follow that. And and she didn't know, uh, you know, even the things that were to come that we'll talk about more next week that she'll have to move over and over because of the son and her. I mean, it didn't take away all the problems and all the struggles and all the things that she needed to accomplish. But it surely allowed her to celebrate the first Christmas and if our minds will be on magnifying God and rejoicing in the coming of his salvation if that will be the two things at the forefront then I think we will do a better job of celebrating Christmas in the midst of everything else we'll do this season I think as we'll put up the lights you know we'll have less than seven arguments with our spouse uh, you know or whatever because we'll because it's all it's all a celebration when our goal is to magnify the Lord and rejoice in his salvation 
coming. If you believe the birth of Jesus changed human history, provided salvation for all who believe, then you should magnify and rejoice. You should adore God in your heart, mind, and soul because trepidation turns to celebration when God receives our adoration. Let me pray that we'll do that. Lord, you, you deserve all of, of our magnification and you deserve all of our rejoicing, Lord. And sadly, I'm as guilty as, you know, almost anybody sitting in front of me of magnifying the next party, of magnifying the Christmas lights, of magnifying the food that we'll eat, of magnifying our Christmas carols, of magnifying church events, and, and minimizing you. But I pray it would be different for me this Christmas and for all of us. Lord, I pray that not only would we magnify you, but that we would rejoice in the coming of your salvation. Like we would truly like be excited about the fact that Jesus came to earth. We would be pumped up about it. We would not keep our bottoms on the tape, but we would jump up and down. We would run towards you, Jesus, and we would cling to you and we would celebrate you. God, I pray for all people who don't know you as their savior, that they don't understand what that means. And I pray that, that the story I told the gospel this morning would, would penetrate their hearts and minds. And, and like you did for Adriana, God, through a single comment about demons, I pray, God, that, that you would work in their lives and you would, you would draw them to you and you'd bring them to salvation like you did for all those people we baptized today. And I pray that we would someday baptize them. Ask these things in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. Uh,